Hello and welcome to an awful lot of running, the unofficial, official Doctor Who podcast. Woo! <laughs> the uh, greatest Doctor Who uh, podcast around that isn't Who Knew, AMTV Radio, Sirens of Audio, Doctor Who Remnants, basically any any Doctor Who podcast that you can think of. We're, we're the best one, apart from all of them, because they are just, they're up there, genuinely. Uh, I am Jack, uh, the resident Uber fan of our team here, and joining me as always, the Sergeant Benton. I've done that one before, but I'm going to do it anyway. The Sergeant Benton to my brigadier. It's only published author Robin Fole. Hello, everyone. As always, lovely to be here. I'm very excited for tonight's episode. Oh, yeah, generally, because Robin, um, usually at this point, I ask you uh, what you've been up to recently, but to be honest, mate, I don't give a damn tonight. <laughs> mate i'm way ahead of you because i just want to get right on it and geek out over our guest tonight oh yeah totally look i will i'll get into this straight away i'm gonna say our guest tonight is someone that i am a big fan of someone i've been a big fan of for a number of years actually but just sort of during my time in 2020 i've spoken about this before i hit doctor who burnout i i did and it kills me but then so many fan creations and Doctor Who uh, lockdown really brought me back into the show that I love and brought me into the expanded media as well. And one of those things that really, really got me into it was looking through at, like I say, fan created content and particularly DW2012. I watched as many episodes as I could and I finally got to someone who weirdly I'd actually been following on Twitter for a long time. Someone I knew as a big voice in the community, one of the most, most positive and just generally lovely people in the community as well. And I went, Oh my God, he's in this. So tonight our guest, the purple doctor himself, the architect, the lovely and talented Dominic Martin. How you doing, Mister? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And now to uh, now, this is the point where I disappoint all your listeners by <laughs> not being able to live up to that amazing hype. Oh, bless you! No, genuinely, like you know, I, I myself, I'm a big fan of your work. I've I've put that on Twitter quite a few times and just had a little chat with you back here, back and forth. And Robin is now very much a big fan himself. Oh my god! Yeah, doing my research this morning, it was like, oh, you know, best um, carry on doing some research. I've listened to some of your um, audio stuff as well, which was great. But seeing your performance as the Purple Doctor, like, wow, is it refreshing to see such a talented and passionate project put together by the fans for the fans, and it really does beat a lot of recent Doctor Who. I tell you what. Oh, well, that's very sweet of you to say. I mean, I can't possibly comment on uh, comparing our production with the BBC production because that's not what we're here for. Uh, we make it because we're big fans of Doctor Who. We're passionate about it. And we just want to share our own version, our own interpretation with the world. Obviously, Luke has been working on it for years. Here's his baby at this point. He's been working since 2013. And it's just been such a, it's been so, oh, 
sorry, my phone will turn that off. Um, <laughs> it's just been such, it's become such a massive part of our lives because there's this whole world that we have uh, conjured up and Bev, they've really done the most of the work. Luke's done like all the work. Meg came in around series three and then I came in for series five and it's all just been a whirlwind of like, we are making Doctor Who in our own version, in our own in our own ways, really. And it's just creates such a buzz of energy and positivity around us because this is something that we really enjoy, we really love. And to be able to share it with people and to hear such lovely words from yourselves, it just makes the whole thing just so, so worth it. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Honestly, thank the, you, amount, yeah. the amount of joy that you've brought to myself, and I know a lot of other fans, just through, it is that passion and love for Doctor Who. It's just, thank you for that, genuinely, you know. There's no need to thank us. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, not only are you a phenomenal actor in that, you're also an excellent uh, voice actor and producer as well. I've recently, and I spoke to you about this before, I've been through your audio series, Doctor Who Remnants, uh, which is genuinely... I was, mm. you would be fooled into thinking it was put out by Big Finish and it had maybe just been hidden on one of Nick Briggs' hard drives uh, somewhere for a couple of years. Oh my goodness. I just, uh, I have a commute to work and that's usually my Big Finish time. I've been making my way through seven uh, Ace and Hex, which has just been a hell of a beautiful ride. And I was like, all right, the Dom's coming on. I'm just going to catch back up, patch up with Remnants because I did listen to your first episode when it first came out initially. And then, of course, obviously, I knew you had a bit of a relaunch uh, this year in terms of Remnants, which I was just, I think I said to you before, I literally just blown away by the quality of not just the scripts, but the acting as well. And the sound design, everything about them is just beautiful. Thank oh, it's so much. It really is. I uh, I literally I said to Robin I said uh, you know what you can tell why Big Finish hired this guy genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I've been um, doing my own research on your Remnant series. I've been watching them and listening to them whenever I can, Dom. And I'm a sucker I am for a really good Cyberman story. So victim of the Cybermen and how like horrifying that is to have that perspective and that's something that we've we've kind of alluded to in past kind of episodes and the like but to actually get like a full kind of like 30 minutes of just this anguish that this character is going through i just found that so harrowing and so powerful and if anyone who hasn't checked out dom's work i 100 percent work checking out that one that's just a mwah, perfect oh. for me <laughs> thank you so much i'm i'm a massive fan of the cybermen they're my favorite doctor who villain so i really just wanted to give put forth my own interpretation of how they would really function and how they would really exist like i love the whole horror element that there is to them and that's something i do wish that uh, some of their stories uh tapped into a little bit more um like big finish with spare parts tapped into that perfectly and that's what really inspired me to take my own direction with it so that's what led to prosperity of the Cybermen and victim of the Cybermen being like this little duology of Cybermen experiences. Like you have in prosperity, you have someone being turned into a Cyberman, uh, obviously against their will. And then in victim, you experience it from the inside um, is something that is just very much 
dear to my fan heart in that way. Mm. It's, uh, mm. I guess, it, it really, uh, I, I do love a bit of Macabre stuff, and the Cybermen are the closest that we have to Macabre uh, mm. uh, concepts in Doctor Who, really. So I would say that is certainly my driving force for putting forth what I did with them. <laughs> and well, I have to say, I'm a, I'm a massive sucker for Series 10 and Nardole, so a bit of a spoiler there, but, you know, how you he's wound it into the, you know, the Doctor Fools and, you know, World Enough and Time, I was very much like, oh, yes! You just have those little, you know, you have those little fan sort of moments you're just like, oh, that's a reference that I understand. I understood that reference. Oh, yes! <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I really love that story. So I was like, okay, this is the way to do it. This is going to be the way I got to do it because I wanted to tie into it so much because I, uh, as I just said, I love that story. And there's no real, I mean, the best thing to do when you are enamored of something and you're doing something purely of a fan nature is really, if you want to tie it in, then feel free. If you want to do something original, make it original. But this one I just gave right to my entire fanboy heart. So <laughs> I decided to do it. And it's it's so much fun for that. And prosperity of the Cybermen, I loved because it was like I went into it and I was like, hang a minute, is this it's, it sounds a lot like Star Trek. Yeah. And I was like was... And, then I, and then I was like, it's kind of like that one episode of Cowboy Bebop as well. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, you've noticed my influences. <laughs> and I was like, it was just it was just I oh I, I absolutely loved that as well. I love how just you can just through the editing, you can quite simply rec you know, recreate those Cyberman voices and even Dalek voices as well. I was, I literally, um, when you got to the Dalek episode, I was, hang on, is that, is that Nick Briggs? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that, to be fair, that was done by a very talented friend of mine, Joshua Coy, and he did the editing for the Cyberman voices himself. No, sorry, Dalek voices, sorry, got Cyberman on the brain. Um, he did the <laughs> editing with the Dalek voices himself, and I was like, Oh wow, this is I, I don't need to touch this. So <laughs> it is absolutely fantastic. And he put in such a sterling performance as the Daleks as well, because he did so many different types of Dalek. Cause there was about three different voices that he did for them because they were like three mm. different types of Cyberman. You had the commander and a fleet leader or whatever. Um, but that was just oh very good. <laughs> There's there's only one episode, and I told you before I didn't like. There's only one, and I, I did love it, but I didn't like it because the angel and all of us, you were being so horrible to poor Adam Martin at the start, and I and I knew it was acting, but at the same time, I've I've spoken to him a few times on Twitter. He just seems like the loveliest guy, and I was just like, leave leave him alone. <laughs> See, that's a good compliment to pay to someone's performance, where you can actively tell them off. For actually mm. just saying lines, is that <laughs> he was he's great. Adam is great. I worked with him a couple of times on other fan projects, and he's just such a lovely guy. And he's so uh, attentive, and he puts a hundred percent into into the performance. No matter what you give him, he just does it so well. I love him. He's a great guy. But that I... episode in particular was that was the last one I wrote. Um, because that I originally wasn't going to do one uh, with the angels, but then I was just like, you know what? Mainly due to the uh, the relaunch of the series, because I was already realizing that I was going to be putting out the first one, the original first one first, and I wanted to do something different for the second. But I felt like if I went 
to doing the original second episode and putting that out third, I just felt like people have already heard it before. It's not necessarily going to um, get more get more like interest in and people just just like oh heard that before oh that's it uh so i was like we need something new so i came up with that basically overnight and i heard had a word with adam about it to take the role because i did i envisioned it as a spoof of a podcast so naturally it was a spoof of amtv so (laughs) he was the first person that i wanted to speak to about it and he happily accepted, and I'm very gracious to him because otherwise it would have fallen apart. So, uh, well, it was you know, very... both your both your performances that were just you know so genuine and genuinely just so brilliant. I loved I loved it because I felt like the angels lend them so well to the audio format. Genuinely, it makes me really excited for that uh, tenth Doctor, uh, sixth Doctor story next year from Big Finish, personally. Mm, definitely, it is ridiculous how such a visual creature lends so well to an audio medium. But then again, I guess it's all about the sound design and uh, some of the uh, the big finish ones that have featured the Reaping Angels ones that I had to go back and listen to just for reference. They were really captured them so much, and uh, it, yeah, it's just I'm glad it turned out as well as it did. <laughs> You broke my heart with uh, your 12th Doctor one as well. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I listened to them all such, I can't remember the names off the top of my head. And I'm sure Into the Eyes of the Disciple. Like, yes. Oh, it, genuinely, I wept listening to that one. I really did. I, I'm quite a sucker for a sort of a sentimental and a, very much, well, I, I suppose sentimental isn't the word, but I, I wept just because it was such... I think it was a really sort of understandable uh, story, the idea of someone wanting to travel and be with the Doctor and willing mm. to sort of do anything towards that. And, of course, being manipulated by five, four, three, two, one spoilers, the Dream Lord. Yeah. Which, yeah. in itself, I was like, because <gasps> I knew it was going to be a 12th Doctor story. And then when you had the part where the 11th Doctor appeared, I was... I was like, oh my gosh, oh, oh okay. And I, it was, and genuinely, uh, again, the voice cast and that was uncanny. Um, mm. Who you had to play 12, 11, and Clara. I genuinely, it, it sort of cheated my ear. Genuinely, I was sort of listening the entire way along. And I was like, it, it really does sound like this is like a lost Big Finish pilot where they actually had Capaldi and Jenna Coleman and Matt Smith in a room somewhere. <laughs> that's that's a very good compliment. Oh, I was extremely lucky with the the voice casting I did there. I had uh, Gareth Heathcote who did the Twelfth Doctor, very lovely guy, and he did such a, a fantastic performance in that. Um, and of course, Miles Taylor of, Ta- of Taylor Vision, who uh, also does his own audio series that he's extremely great in. But he does a sterling Eleventh Doctor impression that I was very very blessed that he contributed to this project and had laura hughes playing clara and she's a massive clara fan so naturally uh if the the bigger the clara fan it definitely the passion just goes straight in it is just uh i i struck gold i have to be honest with that episode because i i love all my casts they're just so good man i'm just oh I'm just so gracious that they took part. It's just like, thank you for saying thank you. Uh, And, oh, then they're lovely people. (laughs) She genuinely, she blew me away because she she even had sort of Jenna Coleman's mannerisms down. I wouldn't say, I'd say that, you know, it's Jenna Coleman. She's not got a voice that you could probably easily replicate because Mm. it's so, but then, like I say, I was listening and all the way along, I was like, that sounds just like how Jenna would have said it. Yeah. That sounds 
just like the inflection that she would use when and i like i say it really did cheat my ears i was okay blown away by all the revenants but really loved that too oh thank you uh it's really lovely to to hear people so infused by it because ultimately i just wanted to do something it was it started off as an experiment to see if i could just do an audio series keeping the doctor to a minimum and it just basically a load of doctor light episodes and of course episodes from different perspectives like you had derek with uh, into the eyes of the disciple and it's thrilling to know that it, it landed it did it did much like your your purple doctor episodes over at uh DW, which I say, I say episodes. Episode, know, yet. Episode, but you know, you do you do appear as well in an episode of uh, the of series one. You know, yeah. the, the re the um, remaster of series one, which in itself is excellent as well. Mm. Absolutely. Now that uh, Eternal Darkness was a great one. Uh, I mean, have to respect for Luke for uh, taking the undertaking to uh, remake his entire series because I mean, even he would admit that the series one's production values were. Yeah, um, but that's what really drove the uh, whole idea and ethos behind remastering it to bring it up to par with what we're doing now with Series 5. And so uh, because you didn't want people to be put off um, from watching the whole series all the way through because of how Series 1 and to an extent 2 really looked, because he, he isn't that happy with them. Uh, one episode even got cut because he was just like, no. Um, but yeah, this... The whole new remastered series is going to be something that is just brings it all full circle and makes when series five was done, it'll be an entirely coherent experience from series one to five and what's coming after, which I can't say. Um, but yeah, damn, damn, there was me ready to prod, and then <laughs> no, I respect that. I have to say, the trailer for series five, it genuinely, it blew me away and i know i keep saying that but it did it was one of those ones that i watched and i saw a lot of other people say it online it was like wow i'm i'm more hyped for this than i am for series 13 and i'm pretty hyped for series 13 my god it's been it's the reception to the trailer has been incredible um everybody's just been so kind and loving about it and i've had so many positive uh comments even going to the technical level like commenting on the production values of it all i mean um it's just it's mind-blowing and i really hope people enjoy the episodes when they do come out because we've been, we've been working on it solidly for i would say overall three years but ah. there was a point in filming in which we decided no you know what um what we what we have at the moment could do it better so about a year in we decided to reset the entire production and from episode two onwards and we just wanted to make it better because luke got a new camera and it's like 4k and everything and it's crazy tech wow. i could never afford it in a million years um and neither could he really but he still has it uh but and we decided to just go at it again and we have been working on this version of Series 5 for the past couple of years. Um, in fact, uh, this day last year, we were doing a shoot in Blackpool for Episode 6. So wow. that is interesting. And we wrapped on Episode 6 on Monday. 
so that episode in itself has been a year in production but the thing is we're working on all the episodes at once uh which is going to lead to some extraordinarily egregious hair continu continuity issues uh but <laughs> it has been the most efficient way to go about it because originally we're doing one episode at a time but just, because we had to rely on other people we thought we could use the time by going on other episodes and we basically got into this system of just going between episodes and that really works because we're getting progress done on all of them simultaneously really and that has been an extremely interesting experience because you never really show sure what to learn your lines for on what particular day until until luke tells you uh sometimes that can be a uh a little bit like okay right that's that's happening today uh but the other days you're just like, okay, now we got it. Uh, <laughs> it all depends on the all depends on the on the scene. It all depends on how chunky the lines are. <laughs> but oh, it's so good. It must have been difficult as well. I feel like I don't know if you've seen uh, Bo Burnham Insider, Dom, but uh, there's a bit in one of the final songs there where he talks about how he was having panic attacks on stage and he decided to stop touring. And then he was like, you know what? In in early 2020, I felt better. And I decided I was going to perform again. And mm. then the funniest thing happened. <laughs> it must have, it must have been felt very uh, similar to that yourself with in 2020, probably getting all ready to go, getting ready to film, you know, redo, you know, redo parts of series five. And then. Then that happens. happens. Yeah. The, the yeah. Panini. <laughs> the pandy. Um, yeah. Oh God, that was such a ball ache. Um, we were so, so like, because there's nothing you can do about it. A pandemic hits and a pandemic hasn't what hit in several decades, but now uh, <laughs> it was just like, ah, okay, well, that's obviously we've got to be careful. And we've got to put like our cast and crew first. We have to yeah, be really serious yeah. about it. So we called time on the production for then. And we decided, you know, we'll pick this up when things start getting better. Um, we had just started a, I believe, I can't remember which episode we had just started filming as well, but nothing was in a releasable state. So we were just like, this happened. So we'll just have to make what we can of it. So that's what, what led us into doing the short trips. Uh, a short tale, shall I say. Short trips is something else. Um, <laughs> short tales um we did during the first lockdown and we were very happy with how that turned out because we wanted to just put out some content um because i can happily say if the pandemic never happened series five probably would have been finished by now but it is what it is and you've got to take the blows as it comes so we have fortunately moved past it and everything's at a reasonably workable level it's not over by any means, but no. we're working with it. And we've been careful. Um, as I said, I've barely left the house for anything other than either seeing my girlfriend or filming. So I try to keep myself quite contained because I have a, a vulnerable mother as well. So I've got to be as careful as I can be in the circumstances of this uh, particular event. So we do our best. Yeah, uh, I have to say. Um, I cannot wait to see the Purple Doctor face off with a trickster. <laughs> I am, as as an old time fan of uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, and just oh god, I love Liv Sladen so much. She is so sorely missed. Absolutely. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see 
just some epic showdown moments for yourself. And oh, I love the trickster. Oh, the trickster. Oh, absolutely one of my favorite villains as well. And to be able to do uh, a battle against him was, oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> the thing behind that is that Meg is a massive fan of the Sarah Jane adventures. So she lobbied Luke to bring him back. And lo and behold, we did uh, had this marvelous uh, mask made by, uh, I believe, Philip uh, Philip Sculptures on Instagram or something along those lines, um, who did an absolutely marvelous job in the new mask. And we had James Sutton, uh, Scarecrow Sutton, portraying him. And he did an absolutely fantastic job in his performance and the vocals as well, because he just sounds so menacing. But just being able to do battle against this particular villain that I have loved since I was, well, pretty much a teen and watching the Sarah Jane adventures. There's nothing really compares. This has been like, it's one of my highlights of series five. And I hope you guys enjoy that episode because it is probably, it's the darkest of the first half of the series and you'll know it when it hits. I won't say the episode name yet because we're going to announce them separately, but you will. Oh, it is. Oh, it's a good one. I'm excited. I'm just incredibly, incredibly excited. I was blown away. Like I've already talked about like the passion behind it and the acting, but that first time when we finally saw the TARDIS open up and you had that whole complete console and like your own like I was about to say lightsaber, but the hell am I talking about? Spark <laughs> screwdriver. <laughs> I'm too excited here. Um, like pop out the machine. I was like, just taking that time to look at the console and it just it really does look like you've just gone above and beyond to just really make this. And it's like, it just looks awesome. I just want to geek out in that area now, just like turning all the dials and everything just much like it should be when you first see the interior of the TARDIS. And it feels like your own character's TARDIS as well, which really reflects the personality, which is making me more excited for the series. <laughs> oh, I love that TARDIS set. Oh my goodness. It is Honestly, it's become like a second home to me because of how just it's honestly it, it, it still conveys that way of being big on the inside, but in a much more um, fitable in the garden way, because um, it is just a, it's the police box connected to um, a giant shed, really. And it just oh, works it? so well um, in conveying that bigger on the inside aspect because once you go through the box you literally enter the TARDIS and it's so cool uh, the novelty doesn't really go away really because being the doctor it is essentially your TARDIS I and mean, he's not technically Dominic's TARDIS but it is the doctor's <laughs> TARDIS uh but no, I just I always flick buttons and turn dials and everything you can't keep my hands off it when I'm in there it's a beautiful set and i mean it's been rebuilt about a couple of times anyway but again shout out to luke for having insane diy skills that he should take into some sort of industry at this point because they're just <laughs> outstanding he's built the entire tardis by what, himself did all of that yeah 100 percent himself That's crazy absolutely like, insane. him yeah Amazing. it's it's come a long way he, uh, his original version of it was uh back in, obviously in 2013 or i think he might have built it in 2012 um but yeah he's come on a long way in his skills since then because it 
it just it's the real deal really and we've been able to shift the set around to make different rooms of the tardis as well so you'll be seeing that later Ooh. on in the series and you oh my goodness is really cool there's one particular room that that i uh filmed in uh on monday and that is going to be the real fanboy moment because there's so many mementos from the doctor's past in there and it's just it's, it's, yeah Oh, it's so good. Damn it. I thought oh, you were going to say it's the swimming pool. <laughs> uh, no, we can't feel that. No, we can't fit that in. It's like, oh, damn. <laughs> one oh. day, Jack. One day. One day. One day. We'll set up GoFundMe for a bigger shed so we can get a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> so you just say the fans want it. Luke, it's what the fans are asking for. They want the swimming, the swimming pool. pool. Yeah. Uh, moving away from it to other stuff now, Dom, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about sort of your Doctor Who origins, as it were. How did you first uh, discover the show? How did you first get into it? So back in 2005, um, I really got into it, not with Eccleston, but I saw a uh, UK gold repeat of Trial of the Time Lord. And that was my first ever experience of Doctor Who, just uh, hearing Colin Baker's Dalek Santaran Cyberman speech. And that was just like, what is this show? I need to see more of this. And then Eccleston's show came along. And then it got me in his grasp. And that was me becoming a fan. I After Series 1 aired, I went down to my local library and I got so many of the Classic Who DVDs and just started binge-rodging them. It was just... It was a fun... It, it was sort of like how I've been treating the original series of Star Trek because I was a I, I've been I grew up with Star Trek, and my mum and I used to like watch through uh, an episode of the original series every day, and it was sort of like that. I was ended up watching an episode of what I had booked out the library every day, or maybe well, more like two episodes at a time, three episodes at a time, maybe the whole serial if I was feeling adventurous. Um, but it ended up being like that that was the way that it got me into the show and series two came along i was well versed in all things too so i knew about the cybermen and everything i knew about um the daleks and their proper origins um it was just that was my formulative year in terms of doctor who content and everything after that became supplemental to that year because my mum also made me a scarf in that year tom baker scarf she was very, very oh, wow. kind in that way. It was uh, awesome. I wore that through the winter, no matter how many people looked at me. I was only, what, 11 years old at the time. But no, nah, I didn't let anybody stop me from wearing my 12-foot-long scarf out, even <laughs> though it drenched me. Uh, and a Hoovian was born. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Very, very similar to uh, my own origin. I, I mean, I was 15 at the time when... Uh, mm. Well, actually, it was it was two days before my fifteenth birthday. Rose came out, which wow! Like I I I, always, I go down record saying it was the best birthday present I ever had. <laughs> that because it just it, it ignited something in me. I'd seen a bit of poetry. I think I said a bit of Baker. I'd watched Doctor Who night way back, and I was always super excited that the idea that it could be coming back. Just I didn't really know enough about it. But then I watched that and found like yourself repeats on UK TV Gold. Watched. Baker turned into Davison, watched all of Davison, watched all of Colin Baker, and then found Sylvester McCoy, who's my favourite classic doctor. So that brings Very me on to choice. my next question. Uh, my favourite classic is Sylvester. My favourite 
current and Robin's favorite current. Uh, speaking for him now, sorry, Robin. Is no, no, you go for it. Joint, joint together. Our favorite is David Tennant. Who's your doctor? Who's your favorite doctor? So my favorite classic doctor has to be Tom Baker because I love him. His performance was just it grabbed me because that was one of the first ever the Ark in Space. That was my first the first um classic story that i got from the library and started watching and he just had me right there and then and to this day season 18 is uh my favorite classic uh classic who season and the tom baker's performance in that while certain corners of the fan base be like he's tired he's bored it actually kind of fits in with the series and to be honest and he's not even that bored for most of it he's still kind of jovial so it works um nah my fate yeah he's definitely my favorite of the classics but i can't say i dislike any classic doctor um because they're all fantastic i mean my second favorite if i had to pick one would probably be mccoy because he's just so dynamic and he has that manipulative dark side that is just so cool to watch mm-hmm. And that feeds into uh, the big Finish adventures he does as well. And also Colin Baker. I love Colin Baker. He's heavily, heavily underrated. And I really don't like how people just put him down. He's used as a punchline way too often, and I don't like it. It makes me very angry. Um, and, uh, yeah, I could geek out about them all, to be honest, because I, I do have such an admiration for them all. I mean, I, I haven't... St- the least one I've seen of is probably... Uh, Troughton, but that's mainly because of the missing episodes, but they're amending that on a continual basis, which is really good. And they are, I mean, I went to see Evil the Daleks at the BFI the other day, and it was so good. Probably my favorite 60s Dalek story. But I'm terribly sorry. I'm digressing, and I've just realized. No, no, um, no, 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 not no. at all. Not at all. God, I, I'm so incredibly jealous that you got to see uh, it at the BFI. I just, I didn't get around to it, and I've not. I'm very excited to go see Galaxy Four when. Uh, oh, you're out. going? Are you? Yes, I I'll am. You're yeah. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I'm so jealous because Evil the Daleks is that one I've been waiting to be animated for so long. So I remember seeing. Uh, I think it was back. In, it must have been two thousand five when the when they had the like the sort of compendiums. I think it was like Doctor Who, like Monsters and Aliens or something like that. Ooh, which was like, yeah, they go through. Oh, he's going to put a copy now of it. Oh. Yeah. oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, and I remember looking through that and seeing the design of the Dalek Emperor, and seeing and thinking, wow, this is this is something special. So mm. it's been the one which I've always wanted. Like. Power of the Daleks, I love as well. Is that I, I love that they did that a couple of years ago, and they had obviously the remaster of that as well. But I, I can't wait to own the DVD copy and watch it. Because uh, oh, I love goodness. it. Uh, really I can't, I can't wait. Genuinely. <laughs> but my favorite new Doctor has to be Peter Capaldi. He is my favorite of the new lot because I just love him, and also I love, I love. Peter Capaldi himself, the person. He is such a lovely gentleman. And I've met him a couple of times. Oh, he's just such a darling. And I, yeah, his doctor just really, really resonated with me, especially in series 10, which I believe has probably one of the strongest doctor performances of any lead. In, if I was to be honest, I mean, well, from se- halfway through series nine onwards is really the strongest Doctor performance, I'd say. But nah, he was—he's just excellent. He's just excellent, and uh, he's the one who captured my heart the most. Even though I do love David, I do love David, and I love Chris as well. Oh, I think I think any fan just 
loves all of them in different ways. It's mm. just some some speak to us more personally on level. I love I love Capaldi as well. And if I if I had to do a list of rating them, I I'd find it very difficult. But I know that Capaldi would be so close to David because mm. just because I love. You know, I I love all of his series, I really do, and it always disheartened me at the time that people, other people, didn't enjoy them so much. I was like, yeah. are, you, are you watching the same show as me? Because personally, and here we go. This is this is where this is the make or break moment, John. This is where you, where you <laughs> I'm done with this now. I I kind of think, unironically, Hellbent is kind of a banger. It is. Oh my gosh! Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, honestly, um, I have really come around to Hellbent because I used to dislike it in the past, but then I watched the whole uh, trilogy again. Face the Raven for Heaven Sent, Hellbent. I was just like, actually, this thematically works, um, and it actually is really, really good because it got that whole arc of the Doctor and Clara. They're too close to each other. They have to be split apart because otherwise, you know, the, the whole universe is basically in danger of this combination. They are the hybrid. Um, and I just really like I feel like at the time it wasn't what people expected. They were expecting an all out battle on uh, Gallifrey or sort of Time Lord stuff. But they weren't happy with an interpersonal story about one of the Doctor's uh, closest relationships. And I feel like that's what put people off and still puts people off, especially if you don't like Clara, because then if you don't like Clara, then it's probably you're probably going to struggle. Um, but my girlfriend is a massive, 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 <laughs> massive Clara <laughs> fan. And so I would be shot in the head if I didn't like her. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I do like Clara. Um, but yeah, I, I was I really come around to that story. And honestly, heaven sent is a masterpiece in its own right. I don't feel like Hell Hellbent is as good, but it's still good. I completely agree. I completely agree. And funny enough, when we were talking about our top 10 episodes of all time, I put Heaven Sent in there, uh, and Robin would turn to me and said, really? Just to throw you under the bus entirely, Robin. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you're throwing me under the bus. It's, it's just the fact that he punches a diamond wall for like, what is it, a million years? Or... Five billion. Five billion. 4.5 symbolism and oh it's the symbolism that's I, the thing you never give up if, i think it's one of those episodes that i'm gonna have to go back to because i think when you draw out a number that big i think imagining the doctor living for that long like, he doesn't though that's the thing that, he doesn't live yeah. that long yeah. he, he, each time the thing is it's all on a time limit he throws about a couple of punches punching through diamond and then he gets killed and then he's ended up resets back to uh his defaults you know i'm back in here and then he goes and does it again and then gets reset does it's, it again exactly and just keeps on going we watch that episode because i think there's certain things that you miss with episodes the first mm. time you watch them there's yeah. been like, a few examples and um like some previous seasons where i've i've not been like huge fans of them the first time or i've enjoyed them but upon that second watch you realize like these things that you missed out with the way people said things or mm. the plans, how they unfold. And actually the concept to he heaven sense that that's the title for it. Right. Make sure yeah. I got it right. Um, I think the concept is brilliant and it's why it's one of those story ideas that I really want to go back and watch. I just don't own the DVD of it. So I, I just need to do that at some point. It's all on but, yeah, so I was, 
<laughs> all on iPlayer and yet gives Jack the opportunity to throw me under the bus. So it's all uh, good. <laughs> just, just to carry on with that, it's like I'm I'm one of those Doctor Who fans that's like completely like I respect what your your opinion is on it as long as you're not basically as long as you're not yeah. an asshole. You know, yeah. I respect you know I respect your opinion. You're not that, an asshole, you know. Jack, don't you worry. <laughs> like, I just you know I respect people's opinions on Doctor Who episodes. To a certain point, when Robin pulled out for his honorable mentions, he went, oh, yeah, I love dinosaurs on a spaceship. And I just, and I know it's an ironic fan, and I know some people love it, but I just, it's my most hated episode. Um, and I just is... went in on him, and I feel so bad for excited. I just... This is part of our missing oh. episode, our lost episode, where the first time we mm. recorded that, I felt so sure about it. It was my first honorable mention. Being one of those episodes where you just... You forgot the basic plot, but you just remember there was like cool robots and dinosaurs. And like, yeah, that was fun. And then Jack's immediate pause, followed by, I fucking hate that episode. Just like, oh shit. And uh, I feel so horrible. Uh, like, I, I, I don't like saying I hate anything, Doctor Who, genuinely. I don't like saying that. You know, I always feel that even in a really bad episode, there's at least a nugget of fun that you can, you know, love and yes. enjoy, genuinely. So, yeah. Just, oh. Nah, yeah. don't worry. It's it makes you feel any better. It's not my favorite either, so uh, <laughs> don't blame you. Oh, bless. Um, bringing things back around, uh, Dom. Is there is someone like yourself who, like I say, is very prominent in the community? You're such a positive voice, which is just so lovely. And you know, you do amazing content generally, whether it be through acting, producing, writing. Is there any advice you would like to give to anyone that would like to sort of start producing the same sort of stuff that you do? Well, um, what I would mainly say is that really it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there. So I would say it's just about having an idea of what you want to do and then really just honestly just go for it. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter how underdeveloped it is because you'll find yourself you will it's part of the creative process. Um, you'll find yourself developing an idea the more you think about it, and the more you more you jab at it, like the diamond wall. Um, and Wait till that Robin doesn't like it. <laughs> no, Zach. <laughs> uh, it just kind of yeah. So I would say to those who, who, hmm, I'm trying to think of advice on the spot. It's never my strong point. Uh, uh, just. But we, okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna say follow your ambitions and just go for them as much as you can within reason. Start off small, don't make your ideas too ambitious because then you will struggle. Start off with a very small scale thing and then expand because that's going to be the most efficient and practical way of being able to get your ideas on the ground running. If you go to too big, then it, you'll lose your steam nearly instantly. Because I see all the time, I see a lot of fan creators planning out these multi-series arcs uh, for fan series and stuff like that. I'm just like, keep it small for the time being. Do a little thing, see if you can nail down your style, and then go at it full stretch. Because the last thing you want to do is have a PowerPoint documentary with a load of... Uh, here. So this is what I'll do in Series 3 when you haven't even written the script to Series 1, Episode 1. That is fatal. And trust me, I've done that myself in my distant past when I've wanted to do something Dog 2 fan-related. I can probably point out a hell of a load of old uh, text files that have gone with unused ideas, multiple unused ideas, that I just fell out of steam with them. And I don't want that happening to anybody else who wants to uh, get into that sort of side of things with 
fan creatives because there is a lot of untapped talent out there there's a lot of talent that is growing uh you see it all the time like with Rassilon productions he's still a young guy he's made this entire like series of dark days that he's just taken one at a time and it's really good now he's building up to this massive crossover and now he's really just stretching his flexing his creative muscles on it and it's getting so many people involved and that is absolutely respectable but he's only managed to do that because he's worked so hard on the series prior and it's just built it up and gotten the conferences to go at it and that's what you guys need to do you just got to build it all up and then what you'll have is something that you feel like you can expand upon and naturally that's when the fun starts that is that's amazing sorry to put you on the spot like that but that ended up just being amazing advice so thank you for that genuinely done no worries no worries it's a pleasure to just try and help anybody out there i'm always if anybody ever needs advice they're always free feel free to hit me up in uh instagram or twitter dms so yeah i'm always about it oh bless you and i you're t speaking of rassalon production there friend of the show i mm. cannot wait to see what he does with this massive crossover that is happening which as soon as he told me about it, I was like, oh, wow. And then he said, of course, that certain things are going to happen. I don't want to say anything because I don't know what's out there. I don't yeah, want to ruin yeah. stuff, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I'll, I'll say this much. I'm going to appear in it in a small way at some point. So I just, I can't wait to hear Lovely. it all. Genuinely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which will be, yeah, very interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, Luke, Meg, and I are all making little cameos as well. And, uh, I mean, I've got an extended cameo as the architect. So that is very cool. I love revisiting that's, that character. That's, that's that's the thing I didn't want to say, just in case I, I couldn't remember if it was properly out there. Oh, no, it's out there. It's been an Yeah. Oh, oh I, can't, I can't wait for that. And I think, actually, I, I get, no, of course, earlier I, I posted that gif from uh, BoJack Horseman of Mr. Peanut Butter going, is this a crossover episode? <laughs> It's going to yeah. be fun. I uh, I honestly I read the script. I recorded it, Um, I believe. Was it last night? It, all the days blended to one. Um, But uh, it was such a cool script. And it, oh, God. Uh, the bits that I've done with uh, Luke, Meg, and I are really cool as well. Um, Especially Meg's. But I won't say anything further. But, uh, nah, it's all it's it's fantastic, and a huge respect to him for doing something that is getting so many people involved as well. Um, because it's just bringing it's a way of bringing like part of the community together. It's a very community atmosphere. It's fun. It's great. It's it's just it's what we all need, really. And I fully respect him for that. I said to him when I when I got, I said that if I'm gonna do this, you've got to somehow just put awful in there just just what just whack it just a little just a little thing just so i know that you know like okay just just credit me as awful guy or something <laughs> oh wow that's that's one way to abbreviate your podcast yeah you know I, I, we're, we're on there on twitter as literally at an awful so uh, i might just change to an unawful podcast you know <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah um tongue-in-cheek i love it yeah you know you, you sort of you you have to be this sort of thing it's laughable cry end of the day isn't it so keeps you humble keeps you humble yeah, yeah. <laughs> um moving things on uh dom you very recently and i have to say congratulations uh to you as well you very recently have taken on a assistant producer uh position at big finish uh so yeah that is I, congratulations. oh my goodness thank you that has been such Wow, it's been it's an experience that I never thought I would ever be in, and I, it blows my mind every day. Pinch myself to be working 
making Doctor Who, basically. And I'm just like, ah! Um, <laughs> I guess you could sum up my life pretending to be Doctor Who, but actually making Doctor Who is just an entirely different level. It's crazy. And, oh, everyone there is so lovely. They are so lovely people. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure how much I can actually say about it without mm. getting shot. Uh, but <laughs> it, I'm working on a few things right now. And it's so, so cool, really. It's just, oh, I, I wish I could say more. Maybe in like this time next year, I'll be able to say a lot more. But you got, I've got some things being whipped up that are very, very exciting. And I'm very hyped for you all to be able to see them. Oh, wow. I, I'm sure, I'm sure well, it's NDA Central. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you're not. <laughs> Dude, you really are living the dream right now. And <sighs> to be able to take your passions and your love for something and be able to put that into that like big finish do incredible works and they tell incredible stories and well i'm just very excited to hear what else they've got <laughs> planned and uh would love to hear you geek out about it more than you can in the future oh well <laughs> hopefully i can but the most important thing is that never take anything for granted because this is an opportunity that i am very i feel very blessed to have been given oh, of course. this is just something that really came out of nowhere and I ended up in it. I am just extraordinarily grateful to have been given this opportunity. And I just want to commit to giving it my all 100% of the time. And that's what I try to do. I take absolutely the whole thing. It, it could fall apart any day. And I'm trying my best not to do that. So I just very much want to uh, do my best and hope the, uh, the fans enjoy what I'm helping cook up. I'm sure they will. I mean, I don't think there's a month goes by that Big Finish puts out some sort of announcement and the fandom doesn't just lose its collective shit for like a day or two. Genuinely. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, uh, they've had some bangers. Absolutely. Um, it's been it is really cool. And obviously, uh, I believe Ruth Maidley is joining the Sixth Doctor. And that's really cool because I really admire her as an actress. Um, she was fantastic in years and years. And yes, that's going to be truly something. I'm going to really enjoy listening to that. I can't wait for that. But for the, the lost uh, Russell T. Davis script, which will just be, you know, I think that's just going to be so amazing to hear, you know, oh, yeah. reading. Oh, and obviously I know Scott Hancock has uh, adapted that script as well, which uh, he's, he's a, oh my, he, he's an awesome guy. I got to say that. Scott, much Scott's fantastic. He's truly fantastic, honestly. Oh, that's the thing. Being able to get into Big Finish and all that, I've been able to speak with all these people that I've admired for so long. And you have to kind of leave your fanboy side at the door and be able to talk to these people in a purely professional manner. But it's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> the question is, Dom, have you had one of the Big Finish lunches yet? We haven't been able to go into studio. We oh, been able to go. No. Oh. Because of lockdown and everything, we haven't the been able to do a studio. Lunch. Oh, so no. I've still yet to ch uh, I'll probably say the same about my colleague Heather as well, who also joined at the same time as me. She's probably never been able to have one of the launches either. And oh, my goodness. But then again, oh. actually, she did go into studio at one point for work experience. <gasps> so she might have. God damn it. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm on one. <laughs> well, they're a thing of legend, aren't they? You know, between yeah. that and the car park and the big finish intern, that's like the, that's like the holy trinity of big finish memes right there. <laughs> yeah. I know the big finish intern now. I can say that. I've emailed the big finish intern, uh, the Twitter intern, very lovely person, um, <laughs> entity, entity, creature, whatever. I'm convinced it's Banksy, genuinely. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's he's not he's not you know saying, saying no. 
<laughs> Can't. I mean, if I if I do that, I might be assassinated. You never know. Some oh. sort of thing might happen. I might end up accidentally. Is is the equivalent to like saying Candyman five times? That might appear. <laughs> I just, I just, I just have this image of uh, just on, just was watching you now on the video conference, and just Nick Briggs and David Richardson bashing down your door with like, I don't know, hand of Omega empowered baseball bats or something. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm not saying anything. I shouldn't be. It's perfectly fine. I'm keeping the secrets up here. Yes, yeah. He says, hopefully. Well, Otherwise, well, I end up like I'm Holland. Oh God. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you say that. I mean, he's not been the one spoiling stuff about uh, No Way Home. He must be sat in his bed oh, just smiling. Every oh night. yeah, that's, that's been the entire internet. That's been everybody bloody else. Yeah. yeah. Um. I guess. I guess we'll move on because I don't want you to accidentally say anything compromising. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm. No, trust me. I give off the aura of uh, being slippery, but I am very secure. I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Well, one of the, uh, I think the only one that we know that you're uh, assistant producing at the minute is the is Doctor Who Peladon, uh, yes, which is obviously, Peladon. which is a David Troughton returning to the role as King Peladon after I believe it's fifty years, isn't it? Or yeah, it's the fiftieth anniversary. That's yeah. what's uh, commemorate, commemorating of yeah. Peladon. Yeah, that which is... is yeah, very famous uh, John Pertwee story. Uh, hmm. And. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, very exciting. It got us sort of thinking about uh, the idea of um, sequel stories to Doctor Who um, episodes. And Dom, if you don't mind, we'd love to have a chat to you about certain sequels to episodes we'd love to see maybe on television in the future, maybe through Big Finish, maybe through fan productions as, let's face it, you know, fan productions are sort of the haven for, uh, you know, sequel stories as you will. I, I guess mm. because I guess they finish in a way as well because I mean I just listened to several sort of sequel stories to things and Dalek Universe in itself when you pull it down is a sequel to about ten different stories. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's, it's yeah. First and foremost, uh, Dalek Master Plan, which is just yeah. like amazing. It's weird just seeing having David Tennant involved in that sort of e that sort of story, and it's following on from such an early story as well. It's crazy. This is a tenth Doctor story, but at the same time, it's coming off the back of a first Doctor story. It's oh, it's beautifully done, but my God, it is a culture change. Mm. And I, I've said to Robin before, he's he's not so much more versed in the world of Big Finish himself. It's one you not you yet. have to go in no spoilers. You have to go in no spoilers whatsoever because that first box set in particular is a total mindfuck. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's a it, oh my goodness, yeah, it really gets to you. It's really, really good, but it gets to you. All right, I can't wait, uh, for, for volume. I don't, three yeah, I mean, I don't genuinely. know, it's because I don't know how much of it, your listeners have listened to it, and I don't want to give her any spoilers, but but you know what I mean. There's a certain moment that a certain person has arrives. Oh, go on, just, just talk you to no doubt. <laughs> I, I can tell that you really want okay, to. Okay. Just do it. Should we do like a three, two, one spoilers? Yes, yeah, three, two, one spoiler. Uh, the nun, the meddling monk, regenerated. Now that that's what I came to see. Oh, oh yes, yeah. that is good. Oh, that that was. Oh, Gemma Reelan was so good in so that role. Perfectly cast, genuinely. Yeah. And oh, then just passing yourself off as the eleventh Doctor. 
Um, I say with quotation marks. Um, oh, it was it was so weird. I was just not sure what the hell was going on. And then the reveal happens to the dog being kidnapped, and you're like, oh, oh, now it all makes sense. But I just got that strange visual of Gemma Reelan in the in the blue suit, and it's just like, wow, okay, that that could have happened, but it didn't. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 maybe it should just for, just for some production images. Just one day, get her in, get her in, and get her in. It'll be oh, oh my yes. goodness! Someone <laughs> Photoshop it now. Can we can we get a B and M figure of? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it needs to happen. I mean the scalp the scalpers would be all over that one, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, they'd be too far over them. Okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe not give them any any more ammunition than they already have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, in terms of sequel stories, I've got a few that I thought about that I'd love to see brought particularly to the TV. But uh I mean, who'd like to start off? I'm sure you have uh, some excellent ones you'd like to talk about, Roma. Uh Dom, you you've done some amazing sequels yourself, I must say, actually, through uh Oh, I Different do my thing. best. Uh, that's the thing with sequel stories. I feel like sometimes there is an element of a story which you feel can be uh, just de developed a bit more, even if it's just a minor element. Like I went with one Cyberman story in World Enough and Time, Doctor Falls. Um, I'd say in terms of like sequel stories and everything, it's trying to f <gasps> sorry, uh, trying to think <laughs> of a specific one. But if I were to do so, I would. I mean, they technically would do this for Lockdown Who, but I would love to see a sequel story with the Family of Blood uh, oh, because yeah. they haven't been necessarily all dealt with. I know we've seen a bit more of uh, the the little one, daughter of mine, played by the uh, amazing uh, Lauren Wilson. Um, but I would say there is very much room for them to be dealt with, maybe in a different form, not those same human bodies, mm -hmm. but have them come back and be like uh, either have them as anti-heroes maybe having been sobered up by their experience that the doctor has taught them having or having escaped it somehow uh there is a lot of ways you can go of that story and i'd love to see them back in whatever form because they they are one of the best villain sets that were seen in new who or dare i say the vnas um is just very much a really good story i really enjoyed it personally and it uh want to see him again it's one of my favorite stories uh i love i genuinely love that one i went to some fagans a few weeks ago which is where they filmed uh quite a bit of it like the, the town hall and they've done quite a lot of doctor who there anyway and i was uh i was sort of like oh i was so excited the idea that i was going to turn a corner and be like oh god there's the creepy little girl with the red balloon <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad that would be bad <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they did. A, they've actually done a small sequel in one of the like the anthology book releases. Uh, I don't know if you ever caught that one, Ed. I mean, uh, Tales of Terror. It actually was, which is oh. a Tenth Doctor Donna story, which is uh, no, it, it's, it's interesting. I've not heard yeah. that one. It's it's an interesting read, and it's you know, it's I have to say that whole collection is one I really like, and I read last year around Halloween. It's uh, yeah, I mean. I'll be honest, I don't think that story is quite as memorable, but I'd love to see it brought to TV like a version of that genuinely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely room they can do with uh with those those concepts and those villains. I think there's a lot of mileage you could, could do with them. That's one of the main things. You've got to evaluate um a monster's mileage when bringing them back and seeing if there's still story to tell with them. Um certain villains have more than others, I will say. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say any names 
but yeah um teeth um but <laughs> thing is yeah you just got to be careful with it no i agree uh robin have you got any uh picks that you'd like to see uh oh wow i was i was really stumped with this question like it's one of those weird questions where you can think if you were asked the question if you could take an existing episode and change it what would you do i could come up with dozens of those or come up with your own original episode i could do that as well but coming up with a sequel that is such a challenge because all the ideas i first had were sequels to stories that i kind of felt were already kind of perfect and already wrapped up like my favorite episodes all seem to be wrapped up nicely from the girl in the fireplace dalek like mm. i wouldn't necessarily want to see a sequel to those like i would i'm sure you could make an exceptional sequel but would it still live up to that hype and i was racking my brain racking my brain counting down the days to this podcast thinking shoot i'm not gonna have anything and then I came up with one idea and then about half an hour before this very podcast, I suddenly got inspiration for what I thought was an even better idea. Oh, um, So honorable mentions beforehand, I always, always wanted a sequel to Blink. So when we got that incredible mobile game, the, the Lonely Assassin, like that was a banger, an mm. absolute banger of a game. So, so creatively done generally really scared me as well and so when jack just told me hey this is out it's like what i i generally didn't realize that was a project they were doing and it was one of those really great things about not following it to just sort of be thrown it and not know anything about it other than it was a sequel um and i guess the other kind of thing that a lot of people would have gone for before big finish kind of tackled it themselves was more of a chance for uh, Paul McGain to really bring out his acting chops and really show himself off more because we had him in the movie and there was always like he did great in that and there was always that kind of we want to see more of this but for him to not get his dues like that's one of the things that I've been so grateful for Big Finish to do um, I, I listened to that fantastic first one that he did with um like the pterodactyls on the blimp. I'm trying to remember the name of it for the life of me. Storm warning. Storm warning. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I just, I love that. I thought it was so great, really in part after all of these years. And I really want to catch up for the others. But um, as for my two main choices, I initially couldn't think of an episode that I loved that I wanted the sequel for. So instead, I actually came up with a sequel for an episode that I actually don't like the original story of and that was Awaknids in the UK where I really felt that they did the Doctor dirty in that episode um, as what is just it just did not feel like a very conclusive episode like a very done episode like you had the big bad businessman just shoot the problem away um, which was like, oh, okay. And then he never got his comeuppance. And they even had, oh, like all those baby spiders, we're just going to lock them in this airtight vault and just forget they ever happened. But but the spiders, forget they ever happened. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just thought, oh, if I was kind of in that seat where I could actually go back, 
I would make an episode that's a sequel to try and rectify those problems. Like, they bring up a lot of stuff in that episode, which kind of goes right over your head. Like, they bring up the fact that these spiders are really all over the place in all of London. They have just Mm. enlarged and gone all over the place. You just think, they would... In real life, they would really screw up the ecosystem. And we get to see giant spiders, but they just kind of race that potential in my eyes. And I just, I don't know if either of you two have ever played the Earth Defense Force games or if any of our listeners, oh my I just God. wanted to see those giant spiders and have kind of like unit deal with that threat and maybe even have like the doctor, whether the doctor rectifies the mistake and actually say oh no i had a plan for those spiders all along or there was they did make a mistake and they have to actually have an episode where they actually recognize that and they have to fix the issue i think that'd be really interesting especially when it's very few and far between that we see the doctor make a mistake and you could actually have that be something that they learn from and change from and i just thought all those kind of things would be really really cool especially like instead of going oh this episode is not one that fans are a fan of double down on it make it something that they can be passionate about make it something Mm. they can be fans of um and that was initially going to be my my final sort of choice but then looking on my shelf of doctor who dvds i just i looked on my first kind of probably my first doctor who box set that i ever owned the beginner box set for the very first Doctor. Is and that, oh, is the that beginning the Doctor, yeah, I've got that. I was gonna say, is that like, oh, oh the beginning, I, was, I thought you were going to say it was the massive F-off giant TARDIS, but no, of course, yeah, the beginning, yes. Uh, no, no, I got the big massive F-off TARDIS as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was looking at this, and I just remembered um, the unearthly child, and I kind of, got my thinking juices going and I was like oh one of my other favorite episodes is turn left and I kind of would I think this would have to be something that would have to be like the next big Doctor Who anniversary because I think this project would be crazy to do in any other episode Mm. but I kind of like this kind of what if episode of exploring one thing that really makes the Doctor especially the first Doctor who is very kind of harsh and a bit cold in those original first episodes and I know he grows over time but I think that's a real um, a real effort done by his companions that join him um, the wonderful wonderful um, just make sure I've got the white names right here um, oh, shoot uh, Ian, Ian Barbara and Susan yeah thank you I sorry my notes go all over the place whenever i write them down i get too many ideas i'm just all over the brain um all over my page scat brains um i just thought i think the doctor is made by his companions we have seen him go through so many journeys and develop into a better Mm. person as a result and i thought it'd be so incredible and very bold of the bbc if they could remake episodes like that like bring back familiar actors that look like them bring back David Bradley is his incredible performance and explores kind of what if Ian and Barbara didn't join him on his journeys and how this would affect him over time and 
whether it's just David Bradley's kind of first season and the consequences of that and those kind of adventures and stories, or whether you do this whole timeline and you recreate little snippets of episodes from every season and get different versions of those doctors. I think you could just, if not a canon kind of mini TV movie or two, you could do so many amazing things with that. And I, I'm a real sucker for what if stories. So that's so, kind of... Yeah, I was getting the vibe, Marvel's what if. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that's another kind of big inspiration for that. Like, God, I love those episodes. I mean, that, um, let's face it, Doctor Who's crying out for, for a Doctor Who Unbound if what if uh, series. Right. Like, oh my gosh. I think Doctor Who has one of the greatest scopes for such a thing because there's so many different divergence. Um, like, if, as you say, what if Ian and what if Doctor never met Ian and Barbara? How would things have turned out? Guarantee that, I mean, it probably never would have ended up going to Scarrow that first time. Mm, that's what I was going to get to. Like, what if you have them not challenged? How does that then affect all these other subsequent stories mm. as well as their own Doctor's development? Like, right then, You've got all these Daleks coming out. And what does that involve? Like, there's so many possibilities. I, I can't even name them. That right there is the timeline just branching out in all sorts of directions. Oh, hell yeah. I think I think as a as a sequel to Turn Left, as you say there, it'd be really interesting to see how that would be. Because obviously Donna was the focus of Turn Left there. For it to be mm -hmm. the Doctor and it'd be, you know, well, maybe their actions stop uh, Ian and Barbara coming along. It could be, like you said, it could be very interesting to see. And I like, I like the idea of doing arachnids in the UK as well because, I mean, yeah, that's that's let's face it, that's not that's not a well loved episode by any stretch. But uh, I mean, by doing a sequel, you could almost have like it's the same episode. It's it's a Franks in the UK, but you could have a sequel. It being like a future incarnation of the Doctor acting behind the scenes to mm. you know which, which is something i'd love to see on the actual tv show i, I, I love those, well, yeah. i love i'd love the idea of them having like a say a jodie whisker episode and then the 14th doctor happens and you have like you still have like the 13th doctor story happening but the 14th doctor or 50 is running behind the scenes and doing bits and bobs and setting things <laughs> Oh, I think that'd be really quite interesting to see. So I really like the idea of that maybe happening for Arachnids in the UK and maybe somehow salvaging that uh, that mess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I would say so. Mm. I, feel, um, I Yeah, I mean, I feel like in general, there is a lot of things that you can really go in that sort of direction, especially with the new series as well. There are so many episodes in which you, there's certain choices and things like that. That is where the divergences rely. I mean, not necessarily in stuff like Turn Left either. I mean, they're all the way. Like, if the Doctor had uh, gone through the Ragnos, that would have ended up in his death, as Turn Left showed. Um, but other episodes, like, say, if the Ninth Doctor never met Rose... Um, nesting consciousness yeah. probably would have taken over and he might have ended up dead by then. Um, so it's just so many different divergences that all would have been pretty bad. And uh, I agree with what you say the, the companions do make the doctor, and that can be seen very much in the way uh, Donna worked with the 10th doctor, or mm -hmm. how even Martha helped him after Rose's uh loss. So 
I think there's so much more mileage as well. Yeah, it's a perfect idea. I, I like I that think... a lot. I, I do think as well that some people, some people who are not as familiar with Doctor Who, they see the Doctor as someone who can be overly intelligent and just resolve everything without needing anyone's help. They're just absolutely perfect. And it's like, no, not at all. Mm. Like, they have these companions, and these companions are very much... And sometimes, depending on the Doctor as well, they act as the kind of the human side of things, mm. the human argument. And I think when you get those dynamics, whether they be a love interest or just as a good friend or just somewhere in between, we've had all sorts of amazing companions. And I think each of them brings something new to the table and really make the Doctor like expand and become something even more incredible because we get to see other sides to them and other acting chops from that actor portraying them. And I just think that's brilliant. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I think th I think a lot of the doctor's messages sort of get lost as well. I mean, I think I quite I think back quite often to uh, the twelfth doctor's me final message of "Be kind," mm. and I think a lot of uh, fans use that maybe in the wrong sort of instance. It's like, yes, be kind, but not not in the face of intolerance. You know, it's the same doctor who punched a racist. Uh, yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> which is which? Which, by the way, I've I've watched that gif on. Like on repeat for hours and just found so much satisfaction. In it. Oh, it's very <laughs> satisfying to watch. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Robin, great picks there, man. Genuinely, mm. uh, mm. really good ideas. Uh, it, it ties into what we'll be talking about uh, with Davis as well when he joins us on a future podcast. When we'll be Ooh. talking about Doctor Who, what if, and what things we'll explore there. So, Ooh, lovely. Like Ooh. Lot, yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he's very much the law guy in the fandom, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see what uh, you know. I mean, I, I imagine I'll pull out some sort of bog standard, and he'll be like, "Well, what if?" And I'll just sort of, <laughs> be like, <laughs> "Yeah, I know like, Okay, it's like okay, it's it's his podcast now. Okay, I'm just gonna, yeah. You know, <laughs> hostile takeover. Um, just be like, oh, you keep talking. Yeah, just yeah, just the just the money's printing itself at this point. Yeah. You know? I, I say that, but um I guess my my big pick, I've got a few little ones, but my big one, I'm gonna go straight into it, is something which I actually listened to a sequel of sorts to it through Big Finish recently that I would love to see a a sequel on screen because it's one of my favorite Doctor Who stories of all time. And it harkens to something which I'd really love to see come back with the character of the Doctor. I'd love to see a sequel to The Curse of Fenric. Oh, oh interesting Ooh. choice. Interesting yeah. choice. I just, I literally just the other day listened to Dodds and Monsters, which is uh, part of the uh, Ace and Hex and Seventh Doctor arc. And mm. I loved it. Loved it. I'm not going to say anything about that because I had certain things about that arc spoiled for me before I got into oh, it. No. I oh, know. No. Yeah, the Big Finish uh, Facebook group, unfortunately, saw a, a very candid spoiler up and they did defend themselves by saying, oh, this has been out for a decade. I was like, yes, but I've, I thought I had access to this or, or <laughs> disposable like, income for a yeah, decade. Like, I'm only listening to it now. Exactly, yeah. So it's like, you know, I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, um, I would love to see, and this, here's my caveat for it. I'd love to see a sequel to it on screen, but it be Fenric starting the game with the doctor and you, you, know, you can have the line of you know you can have the you know the iconic line of so time will you know you know and so we play the game again 
Time Lord, but had it be a Doctor who was woefully unprepared for mm. that exchange. Because McCoy's whole deal, and the Seventh Doctor's whole deal, is that Time's champion, is that yeah. master chess master, outwitting his enemies, those manipulations, and even his companions as well. I'd love to see a Doctor who is very much, you know, I think if you put someone like the Sixth Doctor or the Thirteenth Doctor, even the Fifth Doctor, in the story, in Curse of Fenric, it would not end up the same way. It would not have the same resolution. And I think... No, definitely not. I would love to see. I mean, I I would love to have seen it with Jodie because I think she's such... She's such a she's such a firecracker and she's such a joy to watch on the screen. Hmm. She really is, but she doesn't have quite the same. And, it, and it's not a diss on her at all because I think she's amazing in what she does. But she's every obviously every actor has their own way, way of playing the Doctor and has their own characterization for Doctor. Um, she's very much more. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm bam bam. I'm going here. I'm doing that. It would great be great to see her having to sort of rethink what she's doing and have to set up plans in motion, which I guess she does do in Spyfall Part 2, but uh, mm. I mean, that, that's not really one of my favourite episodes. Where I'm, no, where right. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I would love to see her have a story and have it be, like I say, sort of her, un, or, you know, a future Doctor even woefully unprepared for Fenric and the game and the manipulations and the the chests or the multi-dimensional chess which they have to play to try and face up against each other. It'd be it'd be great to, to even be like a series arc that something is manipulating things behind the thing behind the scenes. And it's only when we hit say episode I, I always like to think of Doctor Who having 13 episodes. So it's only when we hit say episode eleven that we get the reveal. And again we can have that iconic line and we can harken back to Curse of Fenric and it'd be yeah. You know, yeah, good choice. Really awesome. I was chat. I was I was chatting to that to uh, Rasslon Productions actually about uh, my choice there, and he came up with an amazing idea that what if um, you actually had um, it be you know the Doctor's first encounter with Fenric, even as well because the whole the whole oh. premise of, the whole premise premise of Curse of Fenric is that the Doctor a long time ago tangled with Fenric. Yeah, it'd be great yeah. to see that first one, and then even he said to me, and I'm giving him big credit for this. He was like, "What if you have it be that Fenric was the one that manipulated Omega to um, sort of just you know destroy himself and end up in that universe, and Ooh, then it was him yeah. that instigated the culling of the others like family." Oh and wow! And I, was, I was like, um, "So when's this Dark Days episode coming out?" Yeah, when are we getting hmm. into deep stuff here? I was like, wow. I was like, um, do I at least get like an idea, like credit on that? Or <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, I can see why he's the guy that does Doctor Who audios for you know yeah. uh, the fandom. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's a he's well, his knowledge of the law is astounding. He really is. Genuinely, yeah, it's like Davis. Like you know, we spoke about re- just mm. a minute ago. He's a law guy. Like I've I've sat and chat to him about stuff, and I I like to think I'm a law guy. I like to think I know like the the Tardis data call back, you know, back and forth. Yeah, but, uh, he'll say something to me, and I'll go, wait, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know what you mean. I mean, I I like to know. I like to think I know a fair bit about dog shoe, but you always meet somebody in the fandom who's just like. 
ah okay right all right um you write the book <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah totally um it's another episode i'd like really like to see a sequel to actually and it's uh it's one that i'm not quite so fond of as well so uh i would love cool. to see i'd love to see a sequel to orphan uh 55 <laughs> interesting and, I, and i'll tell you why yes proceed I tell you, <laughs> I, can, I can feel the guns and the snipers uh, all training and everyone going, let's hear them out, let's hear them out. Same same out. Similar vein to have it be like like what Robin was saying there, that the Doctor is a future incarnation is maybe acting behind the scenes and you can, I, I'm not a story guy, I can't go, oh, but in some way is doing things which we have a reveal could actually make that episode better in itself because Robin, I know you're still making your way through series 12 last year. I, I was going to say, is this the infamous episode that, um, this, this is the series 12 in, infamous episode beyond the, the, I, I'm not going to say spoilers for you about things. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just what it, just what it is. And, you know, we started this podcast, Dom, and uh, still, still, go ahead with spoilers because you need to for this. No, podcast. I, 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 I won't, I won't, I won't say that because I think, I think there are some parts of it that could be salvageable. I think there are. Okay. I, mm -hmm. I think there's small parts. I think some stuff is very heavy-handed. You know, but I think there's there could be interesting an interesting story there to tell. It's just it needs to be done in the right way and I'm, again in no way am i that person as you know i can't i i can it takes me a long time to sort of think the story beats and it's it's taking me about a year to write a seventh doctor story that i'm working on right now but uh hmm. that's still kind of kind of cooking there but yeah that's that's my pick you know I think that's quite fascinating i mean i all one can do there's nothing wrong having an opinion and all that but being able to salvage something from something that you didn't like, I find, is a very good mindset. Just in the way of being able to see how things could have been done differently or how things can progress from a certain scenario. Hell, it might end up improving the original work. Maybe. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. Um, do you do ever any other picks? Because uh, I have got another topic uh, which we can tie to this, uh, which I'd quite like to get to in a second. Mm, I oh. don't have any other picks, so I'm interested in your next topic. Okay. Yeah, okay. same, buddy. On a similar vein to this, we said, you know, what stories would like to see a sequel uh, happen? What stories do you think should never have a sequel in Ooh, Doctor Who? And okay. again, throwing you on because I've got one straight away, which I'll yeah, give you both time to think. Midnight, for me. I think there should Yo, never be never a sequel there should be never an explanation to what was happening there yeah because, i think that's good cool because that is such an atmospheric and i think it's i think it's david Tennant's best performance generally and he's a lot he has a lot of best performances as the doctor but that is the one which i always harken back to because it is so that's it's the cheap episode but it is such a standout of series yeah. five. <laughs> it's, it's really just, good it's so good. And I think it would really, to have a sequel to that and have a reveal to what that creature or that entity or whatever that thing was, it would just, it would it. lessen it. it. It would, it would ruin it in such a way to have an explanation because it makes it so genuinely terrifying that, you know, 
and we spoke about this before, Robin, as well, how it's mm, it's yeah. not just the entity itself, which is terrifying. It's the paranoia itself, which, of you know, across the other passengers, which is the true villain of the piece. And that is just, oh, brilliant. Just, oh, is, just, just Even chef's if kiss, you generally. did it with another character, we were like, oh, but what if the Doctor has to face the fears again and we challenge it? It's like, no, because the fact that it made such an impact on him the first time is more than enough speaks volumes you know sometimes you want to see something return like the weeping angels they were so terrifying in that first Mm. episode of course we wanted to see them come back and they explored them in so many amazing different ways but to have the entity or whatever it's called like be explained it would just ruin any impact i just don't think yeah I think that's absolutely true, to be honest. I would say, of all things, it's just like, if you look at several horror franchises down the line, Mm -hmm. um, for example, uh, Candyman, for one thing. Like, as the further they explained that in the sequels, the more diluted it became. Hellraiser, again, that's a franchise I'm just getting into. But again, the more sequels they made of that, the more they, they diluted the initial legend as put forth by the first two films. Um, it's something that you have to be really careful of in terms of developing. Because I know people didn't want to find out that much more about the angels. Time of Angels came along, uh, Flesh and Stone showed how they move. People weren't very happy about that. Um, so I think it's definitely a case of if you really have a strong opening to a monster you've got to really evaluate is it worth bringing them back or is it worth just keeping that as that one story legend that will have maximum impact because um, you say the same about the halloween franchise as well michael myers and all that but (laughs) is uh is that sort of it's that same sort of thing diminishing returns and just got to be careful not to fall into that trap Mm, for me it will always be the thing and that god awful sort of prequel that they made where it's like let's just show off what the thing looks like and it's like you don't show off what the thing is you defeated the whole purpose of what the thing is hey who could the thing be and it's like yeah (laughs) i'm sorry yeah as soon as they did that they killed it absolutely It's like uh, it, it's you know the Alien franchise is another one as well. That, yeah, you, know, you look at you look at Alien one, great. Aliens, amazing. Yeah. Three, this is a bug hunt man. Oh, okay, oh. and then you know that's uh, then resurrection comes along and you just leave the room. Yeah, mm. and then Prometheus, and you're like, oh, I guess I can kind of see some stuff here. You know? Covenant. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and then the game Marines. No, <laughs> denied. <laughs> Isolation is the only saving grace, but even then, yeah. it's a shame. It's a shame. <laughs> I do, and I, I love I love the Alien franchises. Do I need to I need to read the Marvel comics at some point? They look oh, very yeah, interesting. Same, same. but oh, they've, uh, done, they've done a comic series, have they? Well, I mean, they, obviously, there's multiple Alien comic series, but Marvel yeah. has a license to them now because I guess in the one of the many it. acquisitions Disney now own. Aliens, you know, uh, you know, I'm waiting for that the what episode, princess. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm I'm genuinely, you know, I'm waiting for that episode of What If, you know, what if aliens in Marvel? Because you know holy shit. My <laughs> god, imagine. I mean, Please. I mean I was I mean I was already so happy that we had Marvel zombies, but uh mm-hmm. yeah. 
Oh yeah, that was good. Thank God they finally did that, yeah. and like being able to see it. Oh, I, yeah. I I wanted that like even just as a um a homage sort of one minute scene of them jump into that dimension in Doctor Strange 2 because we know it's going to be about multiverses you know I, I always mm. thought oh that'd be really cool if they did that but the fact that they didn't did it in what if I was like yep yeah, I'm totally cool with it being a half an hour episode very happy with that <laughs> oh yeah I, I I love what if I mean we're crying out for a Doctor Who what if I'd also I'd love to see Doctor Who anime at some point you know we've got oh, Star Wars um, visions man yeah. I am more than up for a Doctor Who anime Doctor yeah, Who would be benefit so much from an animated series because you could just upgrade the scope to big finish levels but on screen mm. I, yeah. i've said for years like animated versions of like spare parts jubilee holy tower oh. would just be oh be sublime just, you, you, oh my god chose goodness. all the best ones right there jack well, i mean <laughs> my favorite my favorite big finish of all time is holy terror because i mean mm. you can't say no to a bit of frobisher you know all hail the big talking bird. You know? <laughs> yeah, yes. gotta love him. <laughs> oh, right. Do we have any more to say on the, the uh, idea of sequels uh, or any more that shouldn't have a sequel? Well, no. uh, Dom, I don't know if you want to go first. Or... I mean, I, I'm very much... I, I try to look for those uh, that would like to have the possibility of a sequel. But again... As I was just saying, really, if it doesn't, sometimes a story can be too strong to necessitate a sequel. I probably said that word completely wrong, but oh well. Um, necessitate, necessitate, necessitate. Um, yeah, and yeah, I generally don't. I, this, the thing is, as I said, to finishing returns, you have to be careful and you can't just bring something back really nearly. You have to have a strong story for it. Uh, again, like the angels, worst a very strong, very strong feature. It's up for debate whether they uh, lived up to Blink. Some people don't think they did, especially by the time of Angels Take Manhattan. Um, personally, I, I really like the angels in general, um, but some aliens can just be done maybe a bit dirty. <laughs> but really, it just depends on the ideas. If you have a good idea, then go with it. But if you if you're just bringing back something for to for the sake of bringing it back, don't do it. It's, mm. it's a yeah. bad idea. The fans won't um, like it. It'll I'm, go badly wrong. You know, I'm sick of uh, Cyberman stories where they just get um, one upped by the master. At this point, just yeah, give me a, yeah, just give me a good Cyberman story. Genuinely. Third time now. Third time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, I've said for years I want I want a Cyberman Civil War episode. That's what I want. Oh we, yeah. We, where you have the cyber side men, you know, fighting against the, you know, the the, the doctor's universe of side men. So the nightmare side men at this point. Yeah, and uh, and then you actually just have like the actual merging happen happen. I would I'd love to have that, you know. That would but, be sweet. But yeah, um, you're right though. I think you're right. It just goes to diminishing returns. Like you know, um, I'd love a sequel to Amy's Choice. You've done it though. Let's face it. You know, you've done it and you've done it really well. So I don't need it on Thank TV. You. You know? <laughs> <Did my> best. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I guess if that's all we have to say on the uh, idea of sequels, then I, my God, well, what a lovely discussion. Yeah. All, all, all I was gonna say was, um, I would just never want to see a sequel to The Girl in the Fireplace. Oh, For yeah. Me, I think 
there's some Doctor Who episodes which I love. I absolutely love them. But there's some Doctor Who episodes where you can feel that kind of 45-minute one time. And The Game in the Fireplace is one of those few episodes which I never feel that way. It just feels like an absolute delight to watch from start to finish, mm-hmm. telling this real kind of emotional story between the Doctor and this, oh, and the girl in the fireplace. Like, you bring up so many great ideas with the clockwork characters and sort of journeying through this girl's life as she goes along. And yeah, you could do the whole kind of, oh, what if the Doctor could go back and see them again as her older self and what those kind of emotional things from that how would she feel from not seeing him from years but it's like no it's just it's that perfect encapsulated episode it's honestly what i tell a lot of my friends who are either not so familiar with doctor who or kind of not have caught up for it for a while just say to them that's my go-to episode honestly um for newcomers like and that's kind of my pick for just one I wouldn't want to be touched with a sequel. Really good idea. Really, really good. good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in a way, I suppose it has a, it has not so much a sequel. It has more of a spin with Deep Breath, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, mm. I think that could be kind of forgiven because they really just uh, reference it. It's more of a reference yes. than it's a sequel. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm. But a full blown sequel is just a bit. They bring mm, back Renette, yeah. then, uh, then yeah, it's yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with that. I have to agree. I mean, I, I love the episode. It's it's so quotable as well. There's so many lovely bits. I love it in it. Genuinely, that's oh, I love that one. <laughs> it's very oh, it's very good. I just think no, you're not keeping the horse. I think, <laughs> I you keep <laughs> I think of that. I think of when uh when uh Rose and Mickey are you know strung up and uh you you know she's like you know we're with the doctor you know he's and then he, you can hear him off you know off screen coming back on here he is the oncoming storm yeah that's hilarious <laughs> you're thick thickity thick 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 I guess if that's all we can say, just mm. thank you so much, Don, for joining us. It's been an absolute a pleasure. pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here amongst you guys. Thank you for having me. Before you go, we have one last little segment, which I would like to just, uh, just bring to your attention, really. Uh, oh, yeah. Very much inspired by Davis's own Brooke Cannon, which I, I absolutely adore. I absolutely love. And this is going to be so awkward when we have him on, and he accuses me of stealing his shtick. I have my own little section where I like to educate Robin on those all little crazy, stupid little nuggets of Doctor Who, which, as we know, canon does not exist in Doctor Who. So it's all canon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I love to just throw all the little nuggets out at him. You know, previous ones have been things that there are technically three versions of the Doctor at the um, at the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in Pompeii. Oh, yes. Mm. Yes. Very good. Cool. Yeah. The um, other ones were talking about Frobisher himself, which is what I introduced to Robin there. Uh, we spoke about Planet Karaoke, uh, which is a canon planet, apparently. We spoke about the birthday party where for Clara, where 12 had every version of Clara there meeting actual Clara. Wow. But they, but they were all revealed. They were revealed to be a, a, a nesting duplicate, a ganger, a, a tesselect, and a nude in a wig. So, uh, Well, got to do it somehow. Exactly right. <laughs> so for my canon buster this week, I would like to speak to you about the time the first Doctor 
second doctor, third doctor, and fourth doctor try to form a rock band together. <laughs> what? Oh my god! Is this like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of the shell, and it's like it, this full-on rock band? Because that's what I'm what, pitching right now. <laughs> what is what is hilarious to this is it's another golden nugget from the backups to the Titan Twelfth Doctor comic, which is just a gold mine for oh, me. Yeah. It? Genuinely, um, it's where yeah, it and also this is set on planet karaoke as well. Because <laughs> of oh. course it's set on planet karaoke. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Uh, reading straight from the uh, TARDIS archive here, that uh, the Twelfth Doctor and uh, Clara materialize on planet karaoke, and at first Clara is uh, incredulous that the planet is named after a type of entertainment from Earth, but the Doctor scolds her for assuring, uh, for assuming that humans invented karaoke. He tells Clara to go sing songs while he fixes the the uh, friction uh, contrafibrillator. Um, the doctor, uh, sorry, Clara asks the doctor if he's ever had musical uh, musical ambitions, and he replies just once. And he has a flashback to when his four first four incarnations formed a band. The band ran into a problem when they all wanted to be drummer. Oh no! <laughs> Not just, drama. Which is just you know I I I don't I can't remember what the master's position in the band with uh, the first Doctor and Gallifrey was, but uh, you know it's just interesting. And there's even I can even see a little thing Pertwee saying, "Well, we can't all be the drummer, old chap." <laughs> and then Hartnell going, "Look at me, my boy. The three the three have uh, had uh, have had centuries to learn something else." And then Troughton going, "I just learned to pick up the penny whistle as it happens." <laughs> and it's just yeah. oh my goodness it's worth the google because it is just one of those things as... did they ever wow. name the band because if they're not oh. called the who then that's a real waste <laughs> of <laughs> copyright I mean, infringement they're gonna yeah. be <laughs> oh no yeah <laughs> but yeah just just another little snippet of doctor who law which is technically canon technically it happened technically I mean, technically really argue. that's that's the lost big finish here that we're waiting for you know come on get get david bradley fraser hines uh trip tim trelaw and and tom baker in a room dong that's your next job okay okay i want an adaptation of this yeah. story okay <laughs> you got it if i can convince everyone else well thank you so much dom is there anything you'd like to plug just before we say goodbye sure well uh as people know by at on twitter as dominic jgm feel free to follow me there on instagram i'm at dominus of time on my youtube channel who chaser you can check out the audio series of doctor who remnants which is also on spotify and apple podcasts and Google Podcasts, thank you, Anchor, uh, that stuck them all on there by default. Um, and you can catch the Purple Doctor's debut series of DW 2012 Doctor Who later this year, hopefully, maybe early next year, depends on how we manage to go in terms of editing and everything. But we're hoping to get it out as soon as we can. Well, well, thank you Fine so much. Stuff. Genuinely, it's uh, like like I said before, I'm a big fan of your stuff, and it, you're truly you're an inspiration in the oh. community. So, or in the unity, uh, as it were, it's uh, it's great to have you here. So, thank oh, you, thank again you, thank you very much for being so kind. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You've been absolutely fantastic tonight. You've been an absolute delight, and to have someone as passionate about Doctor Who as we are on the show, it's it's always great. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> 
Oh, it's always a pleasure to speak with other like-minded Doctor Who fans. <laughs> well, thank you as well, Robin. Thank you for joining me as always, my partner in crime. The, uh, oh, the Jones <laughs> to my Smith, as it were. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's it's always an absolute blast and just being able to just talk about all this stuff of other people as well it's just what what else could we be doing that's not more fun than this <laughs> exactly right and to anyone listening please hit a like somewhere please give us a comment somewhere we're on twitter i'm on twitter as a uh, spark night uh 1999 uh 1991 sorry an awful is there uh, an awful lot of running as at an awful and please just give us some feedback um well thank you both for joining me thank you everyone for listening and we have been an awful lot of running and don martin thank you so much for being here see you later hey hey